Well, welcome to Retail Is. It's Retail Alliance's podcast. I'm Kylie Ross-Seibert and I'm joined by my co-host, Joey Morgan. Today's guest is Phil Scotty from Philip Michael Fashion for Men. Hi, Phil. Welcome to the show. Hi. Um, I'd like to just let you take the stage here and just introduce yourself a little bit and about what you do in your business. Okay. My name is Phil Scotty. I'm the owner of Philip Michael Fashion for Men. Currently, we have six locations, five in Hampton Roads, one in North Carolina. Um, we are retail stores of menswear, and we feature tailored clothing. What tailored clothing is, is suits and sport coats. That's about 70% of our business today is suits and sport coats, a dressier look. We're a value price retailer, and what that means is we sell name brands up to 50% off at department store prices, similar to like Ralph Lauren that you'll find at Macy's or Men's Warehouse, where they may have it for $6.99. We'll have it for $2.99, and then with a two-for price, it, it, it's reduced lower, uh, so it comes out to about $250 a suit. Probably what separates us from other retailers is we're very focused on customer service. So when a customer comes into the store, not only do we introduce ourselves, but we really treat them as family. Um, so I'm real proud of my associates. The longest term associate I've had with the company is 30 years. That's been with me in a couple of different companies. And most of my associates have been with me uh, maybe five years to um, 13 years that we've been in business. Uh, how long have you been in business? 13 years, you said? Yes, we opened the stores, the Philip Michael franchise in 2007. Okay. So and in terms of your customers then, if you've had you know, rather large uh, longevity with your employees, do you have some customers who have been with you for a long time too? You said you treat your customers like family. Some of them must become family. Uh, yes. Um, they just come in if, if they're not purchasing just to talk to the associates, you know, just to come. It's like the old barber shop down in Andy Griffith, you know, down in North Carolina where they'll just come in and schmooze and talk for a little bit. But most of the customers have a lot of confidence in our associates. They, um, they rely on them to put together the outfits and coordinate the outfits and make sure that the product fits in properly. So our, probably my best asset in the whole company are our associates. So um, you, can't, you can't run a business without great associates. I think there's a lot of business owners that would say the same thing about their staff. It really is you know, a major factor in success. Yes. Definitely. So, um, I mean, the topic on everybody's mind right now is COVID-19 and the coronavirus. We know a little bit about how you responded to that. You shut down your stores initially, correct? Yeah, we, um, we shut down approximately eight weeks, um, our stores. So we just reopened um, this week in, um, well, last week in the Norfolk market mm -hmm. and, and the North Carolina market. And you managed to have uh, all those great staff come back and how's that going? Well, we have a little older staff and um, they have some underlying medical conditions. So we want to be sure that they come back with comfort. Um, we have all our sanitation in the stores, masks. Every time a customer comes in, we sanitize behind them. If they're in the dressing room, we sanitize the dressing rooms. We make sure that we uh, any clothing that they try on, it's put aside for a minimum of 24 hours. And then we 
uh, steam it down to make sure we put it back in stock and okay. not afraid to try on the merchandise. Um, oh, our business, I'm sorry. What about your tailoring then? The tender? Ta tailor, your tailoring. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what makes it difficult with the um, social distancing of six feet. So um, the, the customers do require to be marked and fitted. And for our extra safety, we, we're sure that our um, associates have masks. We also have face shields when they fit the customers. So we use okay. a face shield and we use gloves. Um, they won't be in a, a contact for more than, I would say, two minutes with the customer, but the customer is really facing the mirror. So we've had training sessions of not to have the facial contact with the customer while we're fitting. So we can fit the sleeves on the side, we can make sure the jacket is tailored properly through the back, and then any trouser markings is when the customer is not facing us. Um, because it is a little more difficult in our business because we're a service business with the tailored clothing. That's interesting. So you guys did training on that, how to fit that properly? Or how to yeah. do that fitting or how to do that uh, tailoring process without getting as much contact? Correct. We, we, um, when, before we opened, we had a whole list of safety mm -hmm. that we wanted our associates to be aware of. We mapped out our stores by the cash registers, six feet apart. We moved our uh, credit card machines six feet away from mm -hmm. the register. So there's no facial contact with our associates behind the register. So we, we really did a lot of training in all those aspects on how to handle the customers and how to handle transactions with them. So when did, um, oh, Phil, when did you do, like you shut down, you said what, for four, four weeks, you said? Eight, eight weeks. Eight, eight weeks. So when in that time did you decide, okay, we need to start re-looking at opening? How long did it take you to do that training and so on? Like when did you, what was the timing of all of this? The timing was when um, we were allowed to open, when they said, okay, um, non-essential businesses can can start to open again. So that's, we, Eileen and myself, my wife, we put those plans in place. We did an awful lot of shopping to make sure we had the wipes and the sanitizers and the gloves for the employees and the masks for the employees. So that that took a lot of preparation. A lot I have of a question about that really quick to interrupt. Um, Shopping for that for the business, you're probably not able to buy in bulk, are you? Did you have to go to multiple places or how did that work? Yeah. My wife went to one place, I went to another place. We had strategic uh, <laughs> stopping missions. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> and, and the good thing is um, within the community of Virginia Beach, uh, my wife um, was on a uh, neighborhood um, type of uh, app where the neighborhood talks to each other. And so we knew when shipments were coming into like BJ's for paper towels and toilet paper. We knew when um, Walmart was getting the wipes. And so, so it, it just took a lot of coordination. And then, and then Retail Alliance helped us out with masks, which was real beneficial to us that they helped our stores out with masks to get us open. Oh, I'm glad to help. <laughs> so when you shut down that obviously impacted your business and your revenue a lot i don't want to talk about you know figures too much but in terms of percentages like how big of a hit did that take to okay. that's a great question this time of the year is our most important time of the year more important to us than christmas 
Why is that? You know, we sell more suits this time of the year. Christmas, you may not sell as many suits. It's still a great, great uh, period for us. You may sell smaller gifts, gift cards. And this time of the year, you have Easter, which our suit sales are like through the roof for Easter. Um, you have weddings, you have proms. And um, so let me just tell you, our spring season represents about 56% of our yearly volume. Wow. And our fall season is 44%. So, what happened um, when you had to close? And a lot of these things just didn't, you know, got shut down. <laughs> correct. So we lost all the Easter business. We lost all the prom. We lost the weddings. Uh, maybe we can make up a little bit for graduation and uh, Father's Day. Um, we were fully stocked in the stores. So we were stocked to turn the inventory this is the time of the year where we just do the volume. We take care of our line of credit this time of the year. We pay it off. Um, so right now we have a line of credit that's full that we haven't paid. <laughs> we have, um, you know, um, all our vendors that we owe the money to, our advertising vendors we owe money to. Uh, but the vendors have been terrific. Um, when I forecast what was going on early March, when we knew our business was falling off and the customers were scared to come out. Um, we made contact with all the vendors and we talked about terms and paying off our, our inventory and they're fine. Um, we talked to all the landlords and we talked about deferred rent. We also talked to them that some of the stores had security deposits where they can use the security deposit as a rent. Um, oh, nice. That didn't take, so we had to be very creative of what we were asking the landlords for. Um, we did receive the PPP loan, but at this particular point, it put us um, in a quandary because we were not able to use the PPP loan for four weeks. So it's thrown the whole formula off that you have to use 75% for payroll and 25% for rent. And it, it just won't work out that way. Now I understand from uh, Payday Payroll, who's out um, uh, pay service, as well as they belong to Retail Alliance, that um, Congress has passed maybe uh, using that PPP loan for 26 weeks and uh, changing the formula of 60% to payroll, 40% to other expenses, including rent, which would help us because of that forgiveness. If, if we're not forgiven, um, we're going to be put into debt because we're very proud that we've been a debt-free company ever since we opened. So we, mm -hmm. we, we owe nobody anything. Now, this uh, coronavirus has put us into debt because not only did we have to do the uh, PPP loan, and hopefully that'll be forgiven, but then we had to apply for the EIDL loan. So from going from debt free, we now will be in, uh, into debt, but we'll work out of it. You know, once, once things get stronger, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that we um, um, hone in on our expenses and make sure that we're, we're doing the right thing because I did a three year projection on expenses and um, we had to take a look at the company at a much lower volume and how we can uh, adjust our our uh, business plan to um, the three-year plan. So I would say we're, we're going to lose a minimum of 50% of the volume for the year. Mm -hmm. Clothing has the biggest impact right now. 
clothing is down 70%. And um, I wouldn't have believed it when I opened, but we're right into 30% of our last year volume in sales. So we may make it up because summer sales are slower. So we may um, take that gap into a different percentage point. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's, everything got pushed back a bit. I, I'm apparently at the age where everybody I know is getting married. And <laughs> a lot of weddings were supposed to be a groomsman. I think actually uh, yesterday would have been <laughs> when I was doing it. Um, but they're all being delayed into late fall now, October, November. So perhaps there'll be an uptick then in suits. Yeah, there'll be an uptick in suits and in, in our rental program because we've had a lot of weddings that were booked and um, we've called all those customers and they've been postponed either to the fall or early spring next year. And they were just terrific because they trust us in their formal wear needs. And we just, um, you know, apply their deposits to next year. And, um, but if they want the deposits back, we'll take care of them that way also. But most of our customers have been great about that. That's good. I want to talk a little bit about you um, and your career as well, Phil. Um, yeah. How long have you been in Hampton Roads? I've been in Hampton Roads since 1976. So where did you start? Yeah, Kylie told me a little bit about this, so I'm, I'm interested to hear. Yeah. I actually started in menswear um, in between basketball season um, in Long Island, Oceanside High School. Um, is where I went and I it was a clothing store in Oceanside when I was 16 years old that I said well let me get a part-time job and believe it or not when I was 16 it was like a bug bit me so my my goal originally was to open up like a jean shop when after college or something um, but when I went to college upstate New York I went into another menswear store and I was kind of a wise guy with the owner I said if you hire me, I'm going to be your best salesman. And he, he kind of snickered and laughed. And I didn't go in dressed uh, for an interview because that was this 1970. When I went there and I was in big overalls, a flannel shirt, you know, upstate New York. And he kind of looked at me and says, you, you plan on dressing that way? I said, no, sir. I just got out of class. And I, I said, you know, I love this business and I will be your best person. So that individual became my mentor. And um, he had a, a company called April Marcus out of the Empire State Building in New York, which was the largest professional liquidators in the country at that particular time, where they would go in and run the going out of business sales for big department store chains and menswear stores. And uh, he put me on a road and I was doing some of those liquidations. And then when, he, uh, when we came back, we decided some of the stores that we were liquidating that we would turn them into uh, off-price retails, and that's how I got the off-price um, uh, background. So um, he he said, Phil, I'm going to give you a loan, and you can pay me back in five years. I want you to move to Richmond. We're going to open up a couple of pipe rack stores. That's what they were called back then, pipe rack operations discount stores. And I said, well, I'll, I'll get you money back in a year. He started laughing. <laughs> but when we opened in Richmond, I paid him back his money, his loan in a year. We had stores in Richmond, which was called Manufacturers Clothing Outlet. And um, then we bought out a chain there, which were manufacturers and retail stores, was Rockingham Clothes in Richmond. Then I um, had to run a couple of going out of business sales down here in Hampton Roads. And it just reminded me of Long Island where I grew up. And I said, 
Marvin, this is where I want to be. I want to open up some stores here. So we opened up, um, the first store was called Clothing Distribution Center, featuring Kuppenheimer, and that was downtown Norfolk. And it was um, where the bank building was for um, Bank of America. Now it's the um, apartment building they built. Our back door was a warehouse and it faced the drive-in towers. So we opened it up saying uh, clothing distribution center featuring Kuppenheimer clothes. And um, that started the Hampton Roads, but then we changed it to Eagle Clothes, which I, I was a licensee for Eagle Clothes. But I was 24 years old then, and I had um, the four stores in Hampton Roads, two in Richmond, one in Roanoke, Virginia. And then we had two stores in Charleston, South Carolina with the Eagle license. So it was an Eagle Supermaker license. And we lost the license because Eagle Clothes went out of business in 1988. And I was recruited by SK Menswear. And I was uh, vice president of operations with SK Menswear. And we uh, started with them when they had 60 stores and we expanded them to 300 stores. So I was on the road an awful lot. And I knew that S&K was having some trouble at that particular point. And that was during the uh, recession in 2006, 2007, 2008. And believe it or not, I opened up the stores in Hampton Roads as the Philip Michael franchise. And we took advantage of the, the recession by lower rents, negotiating our rents, uh, by advertising, by really focusing on who our customer was going to be. And um, so we had three stores that I took over and opened up and then we um, branched out to six stores. So you said franchise was- It was a license. It was a, well, I call the store. It's not a franchise. Oh, okay. it, it's just the way I say the Philip Michael franchise, but it's my own stores. Okay. So it's still independent. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I mean, the name Philip Michael. That's my first and middle name. Okay, I, I was wondering that because <laughs> I was like, it's Phil Scotty, but where's the Michael? It must be a middle name. Well, it was a real dream that I had because when my mom used to get mad and I'd be outside playing ball or stickball or something, mm -hmm. you yell out that window, oh, Michael, get in here. I said, well, that'd be a good name. <laughs> yeah, it's a good name, yeah. <laughs> Wherever it feel like you're in trouble with your business, you know, you've been told off. Oh, yeah, Michael. really. <laughs> so... Um, I've been doing this for what 52 years now. Yeah, I mean, you've had such an amazing life and story through all your businesses. But what do you see then as being your future? The future is um, a little questionable because we we just can't predict what's going to happen. Um, with the pandemic, you know, people are predicting that we'll have another outbreak in the fall. So we have to play very conservative. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and you have to play it smart. I'll give you an example. Uh, with some of my vendors, we got prom clothing, you know, uh, prom suits and stuff for the young men. And there was no sense in having that uh, merchandise sit in the store for another year because proms were over. So I called the vendors and I said, look, you're probably going to reuse the same look next year because a lot of stores didn't purchase it from you. Um, it, the proms were late why don't we take back the merchandise so I can take it off my payables and then I'll just pick it up from you next year because it'll be fresh merchandise next year. So I worked with three vendors to take back their prom uh, merchandise and the tuxedos and everything. And that alleviated a lot of my payables at this particular point. Nice. And then, yes, like you were saying, if there is like 
God forbid, a second outbreak, then that's just something else that you don't have to worry about at that point. Correct. And you didn't have to worry about paying it and you could focus on some of the vendors to make sure that we pay it because we, you know, we still have a lot of suits. Typically, you know, during Easter, just the Easter period, we would sell about 3,000 suits. Wow. So in this area. So those 3,000 suits are sitting in the stores right now because each store has an, an average right now of about 1,800 suits. So we just have to work our way through it. And the way we are, by the way, um, you know, I've been on some other uh, Zoom meetings and the one thing I know is cash is king. So we reduced our entire inventory. We're going to start advertising next week uh, on radio at this particular point. But we reduced it um, from 10% to 75% off. Everything in the stores are on wow. sale. And they'll have a great selection. And, um, you know, the 10% may be some basic shirts and things. All the suits are 20% to 50% off. So there's going to be some great values in the stores. We put up banners in all the stores uh, this week um, for the walk-in traffic and walk-by traffic at this particular point. Have you been seeing, what kind of traffic have you been seeing since you've opened? The traffic's been slow. Uh, yeah. But the customers that do come in the store, they will buy. So they're, they're there for a purpose. So That's we were fortunate for that. At this point, yeah, if you aren't going out just to browse. Uh, I don't think so, <laughs> really. <laughs> And most men hate shopping, so they don't buy out the suits. Yeah. You know, it's the wife beating them up or somebody, get in that store, get a new suit. <laughs> so what do you, as, I mean, you're one of the largest menswear stores um, in locally here. Who is Who do you see as your competitor? Our competitors are anybody that sells suits, believe it or not. But the major competitors would be like the department stores that sell the same product. Uh, maybe the men's warehouse chain um, and they own Joseph Banks and they own K&G. So they're pretty dominant in the area. Um, but we don't really focus on them. We focus on how we can do things better for our customers. How we can buy better products. Um, because if you start worrying about your competition, you take your eye off the ball. You have to know, and you have to know what they're about. You have to know their mission statement. Um, but, you know, our mission statement is to be the value price leader with service in this area. So um, we're fortunate and we have a good name in the area. Absolutely. And um, it was how long ago was the last store opening that you had? The last store that we opened was um, 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And do you foresee any future openings or do you think you've reached the limit now? Um, at my age, um, I'm not that much on opening stores, but I, I got to let you know, part of my plans is to close one store um, because it just didn't meet our projections. And now with the virus and the least less amount of traffic, mm -hmm. it uh, does us a bit of service to our customers, number one, to our associates. We're going to keep all the associates, but um, we're just going to close the location and um, that'll all fall to the bottom line of profitability for us once we close it. Have you, do you guys do online sales? Yes, we do online sales. Yes, we do. Okay, nice. so, How much of a portion is that then of your business? Um, believe it or not, the brick and mortar is a big portion of our business in the area, but we do uh, ship 
throughout the country on the online store. Mm-hmm. I would think the online business, um, if I was to put it in perspective, would be about 10 to 15% of our total volume. Okay. Okay. Do you see uh, that now sort of growing or that's pretty stable? Well, there's, there's things in the online, again, because we, we are a tailored clothing company, which are suits and sport coats. That's hard to buy online because of the fabrics and the feel and the fit and the service of making sure you got the right fit. We, during prom season, I'll use an example. I see some kids coming in and saying, well, this suit doesn't fit or what can you do? I said, send it back and you can get a better price and we'll fit you properly. Because, you know, there are more returns, but there's a ton of returns online, especially in tailored clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, because it wasn't the fabric or Maybe it was a slim fit cut that was too slim fit for an individual. So suits, they need to, you know, to go in the store and be serviced with suits. So a lot of our business online are going to be in shirts and ties and sweaters and shoes. So we do an awful lot of that product online. And I would say our online business maybe at of the total online, maybe 15 to 20% is tailored clothing. Okay. So you've been in business for a long time. Has there anything that's to your response or that's happened during COVID-19 that has taught you or any lessons you've learned specifically from your response to the pandemic? Yes. Plan to be liquid. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Because maybe my biggest mistake is spending down on my line of credit to pay for the fall goods, but I always knew Easter, I would pay that line of credit back and then be liquid again. But Easter didn't happen. So um, you you got to have liquidity to be strong and to survive in business today. So at least three months of liquidity, I would say. So I'm going to be a better planner on liquidity. It well, sounds like everyone's still learning, even <laughs> after all these years. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was a valuable lesson because I've always took you know, the Easter period for granted. I knew I was going to do the business. I knew I was going to do the prom business. Yeah. You know, it, it just never dawned on me. It's a hard thing. It has impossible thing to predict, but I guess they're, yeah, the good practice of just having that three months. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you just got to be liquid. And, and now in today's age, when you go to market, because mm-hmm. I canceled all the fall orders, but because I have liquidity when I get into the fall, I can buy better value deals because the manufacturers are hurting also. So um, we, we can probably buy the, the goods 50% off price when we need it instead of, or, uh, instead of buying in advance at this particular point. So in the common seasons, I'm gonna buy less, make less commitment in advance, even though the manufacturers need it to forecast their merchandise but I have to look out for our business and be liquid with the buy-in in, in the company. Well, that was very great to have you on the show, Phil, and have, and talk with you about uh, your history and then your response to COVID-19. Is there anything that you'd like to say to close it out? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things. Um, I know there was a question about the community and what you do to give back to the community. Yeah. And I, I feel that's real important, not only you know, with me being on the board with Retail Alliance and the Boys and Girls Club. But get out there and give back to the community. We have our tailors the past two weeks um, making masks, and we're going to donate them to CHKD. 
because they need the mass uh, for the parents to visit the children and for children. So uh, each week, um, our tailors are making masks and we'll give it to PA, um, CHKD. That's great. Just, just always look to give back to the community. Um, we're all in this together. So we, well we, have, to, we have to look out for each other. Yeah, very true. Well, thank you, Phil. We appreciate your time. Well, I appreciate you having me. And hope, hopefully some of what I said will help other individuals. Oh, I think so. Well, thank you. Have a great day. Take care now.